Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I just want to make a little comment on something that I was reading this week, just for just for a couple of minutes, um, because I was reading some poetry by Rilke. You ever read uh, Rainier Maria Rilke? Yes. Ma- middle name is Maria, but it's a man. Uh, is it Rainier? Rainier Maria. Yeah, Rainier Maria Rilke. Yeah, great poet. I think he's Czech, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but one of the things he says that when I, when I was looking at his poetry, he says that more and more. The things um, that we could experience are lost to us. They're banished by our failure to imagine them. Um, that, that's an important idea and an important concept. I talk about it here a lot on the show. I want to read it again. More and more, the things we could experience but, are, but become lost to us. Uh, because they're banished by our failure to imagine them. And then uh, the other quote underneath that that I just jotted down to just speak about just for a moment this morning is uh, about this, the power of the imagination. I've often said that the greatest gift that any of us have been given is the gift of our imagination because it has no limits. It has no, n- nothing in there that, uh, we can't, uh, that we can't place there. And I think even this uh, decision that we're just talking about with the Supreme Court uh, relates to that, you know, that the, the, the people who came into this world um, who, whose uh, sexual orientation is not the same as, 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 as heterosexuals um, have had in their imagination, especially the leaders, you know, the people who really want to see something change, they never took it out of their imagination. Even though you might see all kinds of obstacles and, and reasons why this isn't going to happen and, and laws change and people get, you know, get worked up about it and everything, but if you keep something in your imagination and if you get enough people to, to, to do that as well, then there's absolutely nothing that can be changed. And here's what Einstein said about that. He said, your imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited to all that we know and understand, while imagination, your imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. It's like the, the power of our imagination is uh, is unlimited. And I've often given the example of that you cannot create something for yourself in your life if you don't have an expectation for it. And your expectation for what it is that you'd like to create for yourself in your life is, uh, is strictly, you know, in your imagination, you know, uh, William Blake said that everything that now exists was first imagined. Everything. All of these changes, these social changes, but, but more than just the social changes and the cultural changes that are taking place, when you say the, the, the times they are changing, the, they have to change for you individually, personally. If you're, if, if you're living in a place where you are experiencing something like poverty uh, and, and you see around you all the reasons why um, that this is taking place, and you're constantly thinking about, you know, that that uh, the economy is down, or um, you know, I didn't get the breaks, or um, the, the money has just run out, and I, I'm not going to be able to replace it. You you've got to be able to keep, you know, understand what Rilke is saying there, that. Uh, you know they'll be lost to you because they're banished by your failure to imagine them, and this power of this of your of your imagination, what you place into your imagination, is um, is, is probably the most important quality that you can have, so that no matter what it is that is taking place, like I've often said, I'm 75 years old now, and never in my life have I ever imagined myself to be poor. 
even though I grew up, you know, in a, in a series of foster homes and orphanages, had to work for everything that I've ever had in my life. You know, we, my mother lived on a very, very tight, very, very tight budget, you know, just actually literally budgeted every dollar. If she was making, bringing home $120 a week, every single one of those dollars was accounted for. Part of it went into, you know, she had a little box in there with her little envelopes in it. Part of it went to pay the electric bill. Part of it went to pay, you know, the, uh, you know, the rent and part of it went for you know, groceries and all of that. And that, that's basically how we lived. And when, you know, when we were all, you know, when I got back with my mom, when I was 10 years of age, it was like, it was just understood. You go out and you get yourself a paper route and you, and you contribute and you help out. So, but never, ever in my imagination did ever I place anything there that said this, you know, that, that things aren't going to work out for me, that I'm not going to be able to have them. And as I look back at my life and wrote my sort of memoir, I can see clearly now. Um, I realized that you know, I always, I always had this space inside of me, uh, like this inner, inner place, like a container almost, that was just filled with a, a belief system that I could create whatever it is that I placed in, into my imagination and wouldn't let it be taken away, regardless of what came down the pike at me. Even when I was diagnosed with leukemia, uh, and even when I had a mild heart attack uh, in the year 2000. Uh, Never did I place into my imagination anything other than I can heal myself of this. I can change around whatever whatever foods that I'm eating that aren't the right things. I have some control over it, but I don't have control over those things. And, and I'm able to make the changes that are necessary in order for me to live a healthier, a happier, more affluent, uh, less poor life and so on. If my imagination is blocked off and I, and I banished from it uh, the possibilities of what it is that I would like to attract and, and keep. And, and I find that in these 10 years that we've been doing this show, Diane, that um, so many of the callers are just so focused on all of the things outside of them that are causing their unhappiness or causing them to, to not be able to make the money that they would like or whatever. Uh, and, and they don't have, um, the people just don't have within them this unlimited imagination that Einstein said it's much more, impo uh, more important and significant than, than what you know, whatever knowledge that you have, because knowledge is just based on the limited number of things that we all know collectively and individually as, as people. But our imagination is open to everything. I mean, our imagination can take us soaring, you know, out into the universe, beyond this planet, beyond this solar system, beyond this galaxy. Um, it's, it's literally unlimited. And I was having a conversation last night with my son about this. Uh, we got to talking, it was about midnight, and we were just sitting up, and, uh, and I was talking to him about... Uh, you know what it you know how powerful do you think your imagination is and and what you can place in there and and how long are you willing to allow something to to stay in your imagination um before you come along with uh, all of the reasons why you know that's that was folly or that isn't going to work out or that can't happen you know to the self-actualized person they never but never place anything into their imagination that they do not want to manifest or create so they're not the kind of people who go around thinking that their luck is going to be bad or things aren't going to work out or I'm not going to get a parking place or or I'm going to get a cold or I'm going to get sick or whatever. Within Internally within them, if you have a belief system that you can't get sick and that you're not going to get a cold and you're not going to get the flu and so on, your body literally reacts differently. Uh, in terms of your your uh, immune system to and I just feel that if you get your immune system so strong 
based upon what you placed into your imagination, if you just get it, just build it up by watching what you eat and making sure that you're drinking, you know, drinking your juices and making sure that you're, you know, uh, eating foods that are, you know, they're not loaded with pesticides and so on. And, it, and it's like, and, and you start seeing your imagination as like, uh, you know, Godzilla in there when it, when it comes to any little bacteria or any little virus or anything that's trying to show up and take over and give you a runny nose or give you the flu or give you whatever. You see, what I'm saying, Diane, is that you're, the, the power of your imagination affects how it is that you r relate to the world and what it is that you allow into your world and what it is that you, ex uh, you expel from your world before it even gets there. Uh, because I just go around believing that, uh, you know, that uh, leukemia is not something that can take me down. It's not going to be a part of my life. And as a result of having that into my imagination, you know, the, the right kinds of events and people and things begin to show up for you. And, um, you know, and then you just begin to change your lifestyle based upon nothing more than what you've placed into your imagination. So keep that imagination of yours in, in such a strong place and forget about how much you know. And instead, you know, remember that if you want to create anything, a different kind of a life, whatever it is that you'd like to create for yourself, make sure that uh, you have an expectation that you're able to do it rather than an expectation that says, with my luck, it won't work out or I'm not strong enough or, you know, And don't listen else. to the dream squashers, right? The people that are on the sidelines <laughs> saying you can't do it yeah, so those often. Are the people... Yeah, those are the ones that I really, I always think of them as my soulmates almost because uh, they just reinforce with me, within me, uh, the idea that I can make it happen. When somebody tells a scurvy elephant, which I've always <laughs> described myself as being for, since, since I was about 10 years old, when someone you know, uh, comes to a scurvy elephant and says you can't do something, immediately within them that reinforces their imagination to say, oh, really, I've just, I guess I've just got something really to prove to, to you and to myself as well and uh, i'm always grateful for the people who say i can't do something because it just seems to uh bolster me up and make me even stronger inside in my determination and my fearlessness and my willingness right. um, to do whatever it whatever it takes to make my dreams come true and it's like that that very famous quote i given it i give it sometimes weekly on the show from from thoreau at uh, at walden pond in his essay on the necessity of civil disobedience. If you advance confidently in the direction of your own dreams that's, and, and live the life which you have imagined, imagined and your dreams, you will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. In other words, what he's saying there is that the universe will offer you experiences that match up with what you've placed into your imagination and what you dream is possible for you. And if you, what your dreams and your imagination are what you can't do and how impossible it is or that we've never been able to do it before, um, then, you know, that's exactly what you'll manifest and you'll be, you'll go around through your life being right because the ego is always about being right. But being happy, being content, being fulfilled, that won't be, that won't come with it. You know, that only comes with having in your imagination the belief that you're entitled to happiness and fulfillment and creating anything that you want in your life. Right. These are, this is such an important and powerful lesson. It's like even the poets speak about it. So let me just leave you before we take our first call with those two quotes again. More and more. This is from, how do you say it? I say Rainier, but it's Renier. How do you say that? I think it, you know, I'm really not sure. I, I think it is Renier. I think it is Renier. Renier Maria Rilke. More and more, the things we could experience 
are lost to us, banished by our failure to just imagine them. And then Einstein, imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited to all we know now and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. It's been really, if anybody ever asked me the secret for why I've been able to manifest a life of, uh, you know, a life of prosperity and a life of uh, the writing and publishing and all the things that I've done in my life, including all my children and so on, it's because somehow I was blessed as a very young boy um, with an imagination that just ran wild. You know, it was just, I can remember sitting in a classroom. I was living out in Mount Clemens, Michigan, at, at, uh, and I was going to a school that didn't even have a name. It was called Harrison Township Number 7 or something. That was the name of the school, elementary school. And I was off uh, dreaming someplace, you know, my, just daydreaming, while the teacher was talking about something that I already knew. I mean, she was talking about maybe addition or subtraction. You know, and I, I wasn't a person who needed to have to go over it for five days in a row. I got it on the first in the first go around, you know. And then I would just let myself just go off. I'd either put my head down or I would just be obviously. And I remember the teacher looking over and say, Mr. Dyer, you know, I was seven years old. Mr. Dyer, would you care to join us or would you tell us what world that you're off into now? And I would open, look it up and, you know, and I was always sort of, my imagination was taking me someplace far, far away from from this classroom, you know, where, where I was just bored at, uh, at repeating the same thing over and over and over again. And I can remember saying something like, no, that's okay. I'd like to stay where I am. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice here. Yeah, is, yeah. I use that quote in our new book. And by the way, I just turned in the galley for our new book um, um, th this week. And it's called uh, Memories of Heaven, where we... Uh, Oh, the book you know, from I, your assistant and uh, her right, little boy. Right, with Dee Garns and myself and her, and her little boy. And now she has a little girl as well, Shiloh. Um, and all of the uh, people's, uh, you know, the stories that people tell. I think there's one in there that I want to tell. It's, it's, I tell it in there. What, what we did is we asked for... for um, uh, people's experiences of children's uh, remembrances of things before they even came to this earth. And a woman wrote it in a story. Um, I don't think I've told this on the radio. Even if I did, I'll tell it again. Uh, it's my show, right? I can do anything I want. <laughs> Go that's right true. Ahead. <laughs> it's the Wayne Dyer show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and this woman uh, had a little baby girl, and she was about a year old, or she was about two years old. And uh, I, I guess a terrible accident happened, and she lost her baby. And in the two years that she had this baby, she had a lullaby that she had uh, created herself. And she would sing this lullaby to the little girl over and over and over again. That was, you know, every night when she went to sleep, she would sing it and it was the song that she had made up and then when her little girl died she just was devastated it was just um you know more than she could bear so she decided to never sing that song again um and and just to put it away because it was just for her and her little baby and then five five years later she had another daughter she had another uh, child and um and that child i think it was a daughter um was about one and a half or two years old and all of a sudden she started singing that lullaby um, and the mother looked at her and said, where, where did you hear that? Where did you hear that lullaby? And she said, Mommy, don't you remember? You used to sing this to me all the time. 
And I wow. thought that was that was one of those uh, get you know, chills. Just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get them every time I every time I tell that story. I I even know what's coming and might get that goose flesh. And it's this whole awareness, like it, you know, place into your imagination the possibility of all things. And what what D and I did is we put it out into the internet and asked for stories like that. And then we got we got thousands and thousands of responses, and we picked the best ones and put them into seven categories. And I wrote something for each chapter at the beginning and at the end. Uh, and Dee did most of the work in putting this all together, and it's called Memories of Heaven, and it's, uh, it's going to be out in another month or two, so you can even, I think you can even pre-order it on uh, Amazon, so go ahead and do that if you like Memories of Heaven. Great stories and, and positive kind of reaffirmations about, uh, you know, what this whole world is about. It's like letting your imagination run wild and know that, uh, you know, what, what I just described to you is certainly a real possibility, uh, you know, that that child came back. Um, that's beautiful. You know, and where we're going to back say? too, right? Pardon me? We're, we're, oh, yeah. we're returning. Yeah. We're returning there. Absolutely. That's T.S. Eliot's famous line. We shall not cease from exploration, but at the end of all of our exploring will be to return to the place from which we originated and to know it for the first time <laughs> and to know it. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.